What is going on? Happy Friday. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your day. I do appreciate it. Pete Callender here. And uh, the phone numbers are 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And the email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, and that is Callender with a K. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Uh, today we got two guests. Uh, one is going to be at uh, the 1 o'clock hour and then uh, another at the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, Brad Slager will join us. He's from redstate.com. He also writes at townhall.com, and he hosts the Liable Sources podcast. Liable Sources. So we'll talk with him uh, on journalistic activism. It's kind of his beat. And uh, then at 2 o'clock, James Varney talking about dozens of incidents targeting pro-lifers nationwide, uh, including uh, one attack on a, uh, a pregnancy crisis center up in Asheville. So uh, we'll talk with him at 2 o'clock. So stick around for that. But first, but first, got some cleanup, a bunch of different topics that I've been pulling and, and prepping and just waiting to use and haven't gotten to. So we're just going to kind of do a whole mishmash, but they are kind of related. I'll, I'll, I'll make the segues worth it. So let's start with the Charlotte Observer asking in its headline, which, by the way, the old joke is if the headline asks a question, 99% of the time the answer is no. <laughs> so uh, Charlotte Observer headline, quote, is political satire still funny? No. Charlotte Squawks begins 2022 run amid changing climate. It's not an environmental story, people. No, no. It's, gosh, can we, can we poke fun at Republicans and people will still laugh? Is that possible? Gosh, I'm just so worried. Now, the, the problem with the headline is that it's asking a question, is satire still funny? As judged by humorless leftist scolds. That's the, I mean, that's the problem here is that the people that you're asking and you're appealing to in the audience here, they seem to have lost a lot of their sense of humor over the last few years. Well, that's because things are, are just, you know, so nerve wracking, Pete. I mean, the democracy is in the balance. We're going to lose the democracy. So maybe things aren't funny to folks because we're about to lose our democracy. I just, I've been to the Charlotte Squawks. You know, you know what Charlotte Squawks is? If you don't know, it's a, it's kind of like a variety show. It's a comedy thing. It's sort of like a Saturday Night Live, but it's based on local, you know, Charlotte-related events and people and uh, news stories and such from the previous year. And they do a good job with it. They do songs and such. And um, It's been a I don't know, probably like five years or so since I went to one of them. It was the one where the one of the stories was the school bus that caught fire, the Charlotte Mecklenburg school bus that caught fire in like what is probably a a pretty accurate analogy for Charlotte Mecklenburg schools, but that nobody was injured. I we can make these jokes because nobody was injured. But a school bus caught fire. And then they did a parody song. To the, uh, uh, they rewrote the lyrics to this girl is on fire, this bus is on fire, and they were all in their little buses and stuff. So, yeah, they, yeah, they, could, they make jokes about current events. I mean, kind of like I do every single day here. Nobody has asked me, though, to become a writer for, for Squawks. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, longtime Charlotte satirist Brian Kahn said he has no plans to take it easy in material for his upcoming show amid the shifting climate around comedy and satire. Very worried. If we make jokes to a predominantly leftist audience, will they laugh? So you can't go wrong. Just make fun of the Republicans, Brian. Just just keep gutting, like, you know, kick McCrory while he's down. You'll get some laughs out of that. Probably some guffaws over Trump, too. Uh, Rudy Giuliani, you could do stuff like that with, like, the, the, the hair dye, you know, like melting off of his hair and running down the side of it. So you could do stuff like that. Ha ha ha. The, you know, the uh, inflation. Well, that probably wouldn't go over very well because that, that's an indirect, indirect attack on Biden. So probably not going to lot, not, not going to get a lot of laughs there, but maybe. And it's all, it's going on right now. So maybe if you've seen it, let me know. How, how did the show go? Um, it runs through, where is it? Um, the 26th and it started up on June 9th. And this was the article that was written by Blake Douglas uh, back on June 8th. So th- that's how long I've been sitting on this article because it ties into another local story that I will get to. And that story references Charlotte Squawks. Okay, so for the 17th time since 2004, Charlotte Squawks performers are preparing to take the stage and musically mock the absurd, comical, and frustrating aspects of life in Charlotte. The troupe's goal of poking fun at local culture, sports teams, and politicians hasn't changed since the show's inception. But co-producers Brian Kahn and Mike Collins said the atmosphere around satire, particularly jokes centered on national politics, has transformed dramatically in recent years. Collins said, quote, I remember one show we had where uh, Jennifer Roberts, who was still the mayor... And she was the opening moment of the show on video. And she got heckled the instant her image appeared on screen. And I thought at that moment, quote, oh, my God, something has drastically changed. And it got worse over the years. We've had to kind of soft pedal the politics, especially at the presidential level. So what's he saying? All the Trumpers showing up, right? That <laughs> That's what he's saying. All the Trumpers are showing up and ridiculing and heckling is that the idea okay first off it's a comedy show and maybe it's just me but i always anticipate if you're going to go see comedy chances are probably pretty high that someone's going to heckle that's part of the that's part of the thing isn't it part of the deal isn't it i find it interesting though that jennifer roberts appearance got heckled and that prompted collins to say something has drastically changed. Like this was like the moment crystallized for him. How dare they heckle Jennifer Roberts of all people. Jen- she was only mayor for two years. She was a county commissioner before that. She was the one who did the bathroom ordinance, right? So that, that prompted HB2. I don't know. I just, I find that to be, I would like to know more about it, but they don't go into it any, any deeper. Despite the changes, Khan said he still prides himself on writing material true to the spirit of satire while not unfairly targeting anyone. Quote, the one thing I'm very conscious of is punching down. I hate that term, punching down. 
I hate that term. Because what does it mean? It means you've elevated yourself above somebody else. Hello, condescending much? A little bit of arrogance? That you're somehow, that they're below you, and so you can't pick on them because they're not as high up in the social, what, food chain or something as you are? I don't like that. I don't think it's funny, so I won't intentionally pick on someone when they're down. Oh, I guess McCrory's off uh, the agenda. But uh, one of the things about satire is it's supposed to be biting. It's supposed to be shocking at times. So you're supposed to be biting and shocking. He said he's not going to pull punches, but he doesn't want to punch down. But everything has changed, and we... We, we're not really like soft, we're soft pedaling at the presidential political level. Uh, oh man, what's a satirist to do? I don't know, maybe make some more jokes. How about that? Humor is how you get people to face things in a way that makes them more receptive. They're already more receptive. If you can make them laugh about things that are true, and that's one of the other problems here that the left is having a problem with, is that they, they, their rejection of a lot of reality and truth is it, it hamstrings the comedy. That's why all of a sudden everybody thinks Bill Maher is a right winger. He's not. It's just the things that are true. You got comedy has to be rooted in something true, and you construct all of this fake stuff. You can't make fun of that because it's not funny. Nobody laughs at that stuff because they know it's not true. All right, so a couple of things to let you know about. I got a book I want to give away. I didn't ask for it. It got sent here to me, and so uh, I'll give it to you. I'll give you details on that momentarily. First, you, your family, your friends... You're all invited to celebrate America's freedom at the best 4th of July fireworks show in the Southeast. Oh, who am I kidding? In the world. America is back open. We are celebrating with the return of the WBT Sky Show. It is appropriately enough on Monday, July 4th. It's going to be at Truist Field in Uptown. And uh, come on out. Enjoy the fun of USA Baseball. And then the fireworks show following the game. And uh, you can. it's all sponsored by Audi of Charlotte. And uh, all the details are at WBT.com. All righty, so I guess we'll do, let me say, third caller. Third caller sounds good. Third caller at 704-570-1110. You don't even know what I'm offering yet. You don't even know the book yet. Why are you calling? You have no idea what the book, you may not even like this book. You'll probably like the book. It's called Red Sky Morning, the Epic True Story of Texas Ranger Company F. What's it about, Pete? Ah, glad you asked. It's by the the author is Joe Papalardo. He is the author of another book called Inferno. That's not this book. This book is Red Sky Morning, the epic true story of Texas Ranger Company F. Here's the write-up. It brings to life the fading years of the Old West in the late 19th century. An epic group of lawmen, the Texas Rangers, ruled the land with a form of ranger justice for those they deemed to have broken the law. But one glance at the roster of some of the Texas Ranger companies shows more than one wearing a uniform that might fit more under the category of lawless rather than lawmen. Company F is a perfect example. And then they describe uh, one of the guys in here who was himself wanted by lawmen 
as well as outlaws. Uh, he was involved in three different fatal gun battles, got disfigured with gunshots. Um, he was convicted of second-degree murder, but then he got a presidential pardon. He stood trial for a questionable shooting. Um, then uh, Company F had a reputation for swift justice, hunting men down across the state. Um but then there's the Connor family. They may have met their match with the Connor family who wanted, uh, who are wanted for their part in a deadly family feud. So this is the uh, first time in print, the full story of Company F versus the Connor family. And what becomes clear is a grim picture of murderers, bounty hunters, and criminals of myriad degrees of depravity. And Texas Ranger Company F that may well be in over their heads. There you go. That's the write-up from the publicist, St. Martin's Press, Red Sky Morning, the epic true story of Texas Ranger Company F. So uh, might make a good Father's Day present. So we'll take the third caller at 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Good luck to all who are not the third caller, because obviously the third caller will have gotten the, the book. Um, so I don't know what else to do, because I get these books, and so I just... Like, I'm not, I, I don't really do a lot of book author interviews, you know? So they already sent it out to me, so I give it to you. And then you may do with it whatever you would like. I mean, preferably read it and then, you know, do whatever you would like. All right, so uh, just to clean up on the, uh, on the Charlotte Squawks thing, there is a reason why I started with this, uh, with this story. And I gave you this sort of standard that in journalism, you know, the headline if it asks a question, the answer is usually no. But here's the other thing. The premise of the story built into the headline is indicative of the story that the reporter wanted to tell. The reporter goes to the Charlotte Squawks people and says, hey, is it harder to do now? What's satire about now? Is it going, you know, are you changing the material because of the current climate? Right? That's a... That's a story idea that the, the reporter had and that the newsroom had that they pursued and then built a story around that. It is one example, and I'm not saying this is nefarious. I'm just saying this is an example of the kind of bias. These, the, the, the people were biased towards telling this story. They thought this would be a good story. Congratulations to Robert. He is the winner of the book. I'm not above bribing people to listen. I am not. I think that giveaway is proof positive. Um, no, I appreciate the. I appreciate everybody who called in, try to win the book. But uh, Robert is the winner, and uh, I've got a. I had another one. It's at home though, so I'll bring it in. We'll do that next week. All right. So Charlotte Squawks. Kind of got the lowdown on that. And that that gets a mention in this next piece from a fellow by the name of Michael Rassler or Roessler, Roessler. Maybe it's Raessler. Anyway, uh, he writes at his own website, charlottecitizen.com. He's a left guy. And um, he has a he- the headline is Larkin Learns Developers Dollars Don't Vote. And this is about the Charlotte City Councilman Larkin Eggleston and his electoral defeat in the Democrat primary last month. And um, he starts off by saying, Michael Rassler says, 
Charlotte's politically respectable residents greeted Larkin Eggleston's electoral defeat last month with stunned dismay. Larkin, who has served on city council since 2017, representing Plaza Midwood, Noda, Dilworth, and surrounding neighborhoods, <clears throat> excuse me, he finished fifth in the six-way Democrat race to earn one of four at-large spots on the general election ballot. So in case that's a little confusing, there's a lot of numbers right there. So you had six candidates, the top four votainers, not vote-getters, top four votainers. I'm going to make this word happen, people. Votainers. The top four votainers go to the general election where they will uh, be running for four seats against the four Republicans that came out of their primary. And um, Larkin finished out of the money. He was not one of the top four votainers. He finished fifth. He did beat Pat Cannon, so small victories. Um, while hoping to make the transition from district to citywide representative, he managed to beat only convicted felon and former mayor Patrick Cannon. Incumbents Braxton Winston and Dimple Ejmira took the top two spots, while former district councilwoman Lawana Mayfield finished third, and former at-large councilman James Smudgy Mitchell came in fourth. The Charlotte Observer, which praised Larkin's, quote, moderate, steady voice and called for his election, could not believe that he fell short. Quote, of all the results from the 2022 primary election in Mecklenburg, Larkin Eggleston's loss may stand as one of the most surprising. That was in the newspaper's post-mortem piece. Without any public polls to contradict the primary results, which, if polling existed, could have provided the governing class and Charlotte's political Twitter glitterati with some objective cause for their surprise, but no polling because it's, you know, it's a primary. The newspaper cited one criteria for its astonishment. Money. Yeah, he raised a lot of money. Larkin Eggleston raised a lot of money. Several possible explanations could be he did not secure the endorsement of the Black Political Caucus, but neither did Dimple Ejmira, and she finished second. The Black Political Caucus backed Cannon, and he did worse than Larkin. Or maybe Smudgy Mitchell is to blame. Had Mitchell not entered the race, Larkin would have finished fourth, right? Or maybe Pat McCrory is to blame. Siphoning some votes away from Larkin Eggleston, the only white male candidate in the Democrat at-large field. This explanation possesses plausibility. Moderate independents could certainly vote uh, for a white Democrat who oversaw the formulation of minimalist police reform, cast the deciding vote to bring Donald Trump's 2020 coronation to Charlotte, and made a point of being chummy with corrupt Republican colleague Tark Bakari. So in other words, like he wasn't a flame-throwing leftist agitator, Larkin Eggleston. I don't know Larkin Eggleston. I know people who know him. Uh, I, I think he used to work here in the promotions department years ago, I was told. I do not remember him. I, maybe he was here after I left. I don't know. But um, I'm reminded of what old Coach Joe White told me 20 years ago, almost, when he said, Pete, I'm a dying breed. I'm a white male at large Democrat. He had run for Charlotte City Council at large and had held that seat for a while. He then ran for the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board 
became chairman of the school board for uh, many years and had won that at-large race. But he was saying back then that he was an endangered species. He is not long for public office as a white male at-large Democrat. And I suspect that's what Larkin Eggleston kind of ran into here as well. But this fellow, Michael Rassler, is just laying the wood to uh, the Charlotte Observer because they can't understand how Larkin couldn't have won. His loss required more than just mere notation. It demanded analysis guided by an unspoken question of what went wrong, right? They didn't do this, by the way, with Luana Mayfield, who he says, quote, the mouthiness of this big, brash, gay black woman meant her loss in 2019 counted as a thoroughly explicable victory for the powers of municipal respectability, including those people and institutions that decide which political outcomes deserve analysis because they count as surprises. So this gets to what? Bias. This is another example of it. This is, and and again, I'm I'm not using this to denigrate the observer people. I'm saying what they think is worthy of analysis is indicative of their views of what is news. That's the fundamental question we are all taught in journalism school is what is news? Is this news worthy? Why should people care? And if you can't answer that question, then you shouldn't be doing the story. So Larkin's backers won't publicly say that his loss came as a surprise simply because he's one of them and they don't lose to people like Luana Mayfield. So they lazily cite his campaign coffers and raise the clumsy question, how could someone with so much support fall short? Thusly does our governing class, the sort of people who attend Charlotte Squawks and pronounce it top drawer, Thus does our governing class mistake their own surprise for the community's surprise. See, Larkin brought in a lot of money, but who did it come from? Or from whom did it come? Sorry, English teacher. Uh, It came from a relatively small group of builders, developers, and realtors. And so Rassler's point here is those people don't vote. Developers don't vote. I mean, they may vote, but they're not going to outvote all of the people of the community, right? And that's true. But usually the the money is you are able to parlay that into votes. Get out the vote operations, right? Marketing, that sort of thing. That's why the money is important. He raised a lot of money. And also, by the way, that used to be a pretty good barometer. That's why every all the council members always wanted to be the chairs of like the economic development committees and stuff. Because you got to, it opened up this avenue to meet the developers and then they would get give you money to your campaign. So I'm not as dismissive of the, the reason for the analysis as Rassler is. I just find it funny that the left is sort of eating their own over Larkin Eggleston, proving Coach Joe White was right all those years ago. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Got an email to Pete at thepetecalendarshow.com from Jay, who says, Pete, Mike Collins was afternoon drive on WBT when I first moved here in 1994. Great interviewer, but typical thin-skinned liberal. (laughs) I will say, uh, sitting in the host chair does, uh, it does induce a thick skin over the years. Um... Here's an idea for the Charlotte Squawks people. Not sure if they are uh, interested in taking new material. They are obviously 
underway in their performance run. But could you do something on the clear backpacks? Like if that's not if that's not show fodder for you, uh, what are you even doing this for? Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools is auctioning off its unused inventory of forty six thousand clear backpacks. They're trying to spread cancer. Yeah. Oh, what? A, there's no other explanation for it. Yeah, right. Remember they? Okay, so they spent half a million dollars on the backpacks for high school students, and the idea was, hey, if we give all the kids the clear backpacks, then we'll be able to see all the weaponry that they're bringing uh, from home. And uh, so they ordered them all, and then they got delivered. And then somebody opened up the package and they found one of the warning tags on it. So to me, the headline here is somebody read a warning tag. What? Somebody read a warning tag. And then, of course, and, you know, the uh, the super triggering uh, society that we live in. Safe spaces were retreated to and uh, outrage ensued. And then the backpacks. Uh, were not distributed because the warning tag said, hey, there's stuff that's used in the making of this backpack in China, of course, um, and uh, California thinks it's going to give you cancer. So just don't eat like four or five of them and you you probably will be fine. Or don't put the backpack over your head, which being clear, it would probably suffocate you actually before the cancer would get you. But regardless, not advisable. This is the kind of warning. That's what that. Was it Proposition 38 or something like that, where these California moon bats that vote on everything? Have you seen some of the, their their ballot initiatives? It's like a phone book directory. Oh, now I've just dated myself too, because the kids today they don't even know what a phone book is. Kids today, did you know that you could actually go to any city in the world almost, but in America definitely, you go to any city and there would be a book. And it would have everybody's names and addresses in them. So you go right to their house. You just find, if you know how to spell their name, you just look them up and, oh, that's, oh there's their phone number and there's their address. And then some people would rip the page out because they couldn't commit to memory the address or something. Just so rude. And then every single year you would get, I was getting them, I think the last phone book I got, because they would just deliver them. You, would, you didn't even have to ask. They would just show up at your door. I think the last one I got, was somewhere around 2013, maybe. That was the last one up in Asheville, 2014. Showed up at my apartment. I'm like, wow, can't believe they still do this. Anyway, the backpacks were not used because some officials got surprised while unpacking the shipments and found cancer warnings on them. Again, you're, do you think that the kids are going to get cancer from the backpacks? Seriously, CMS? Was that really a concern? See, I would like to know, who was it that, uh, that found the warning? And who put the pressure on to not use the backpacks because of it? Because it seems kind of stupid. But here we are, CMS, selling off the 46,000 backpacks for pennies on the dollar. So what cost us half a million, I think they're hoping to get back like three cents on the dollar or something like that. Yeah, it's pretty low. They're gonna, yeah, they're gonna put it up as surplus. So, so you're gonna sell these out to the general public then? 
which if you're worried about it giving the kids cancer, why wouldn't you just, you know, destroy them like our government does with a big burn pit or something out back of the school? Why not do it that way? Why are you trying to give the kids cancer? Why are you try- What else are you going to use these backpacks for? What's the, what's the alternate purpose for clear backpacks that, that apparently cause rapid onset cancer among children? I'm assuming back cancer, specifically. Or shoulder cancer, maybe. I don't know. Oh my gosh, Pete, you're punching down. I'm not punching down here, just for the record. I'm making fun of cancer. And I think we can all agree that you should be able to make fun of not the people with it. I'm saying making fun of cancer. That's punching up or sideways. At least it's a lateral punch. It's more like a jab. All right. Brad Slager is going to join me in a minute talking about media.